Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Revolution Watch podcast. I'm Kevin, your host, and joining me as always is Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you? I'm good. Hi everyone. Today our guest is Felix Baumgartner, an independent watchmaker and co-founder of Urwerk. Felix is a very special guest because we've both uh, long admired Urwerk watches, but he's especially special to Kevin because apparently a few years back, he was the one who kind of told Kevin to join Revolution magazine. Yes, so that was actually two years ago, I think around two years ago. Both Martin and Felix were in town to present their latest watch at the time, which was the UR105CT. So it's the one, if you, you remember what it is, that has a small lid that you can kind of open and it reveals the, the mechanism under, uh, under the watch. Uh, so I, I was just having a chat with uh, Felix and I think through our conversation, he kind of noticed that I had an interest in watchmaking or watches in general. I think it's just because of the type of questions that um, I was asking him. I, I, I was still fairly new to watches at the time. So this is why I think I still had a lot of questions and stuff that I didn't know and that I wanted to learn. So this is why he quickly felt that I had an interest in it. And he just casually said, oh, if you have an interest in watches and you want to stay in media, you should probably see if you can get close to the people at Revolution and, uh, and, and work for them. Um, so, you know, uh, here we are uh, two years later and I'm working. So we can maybe say that it was become a theme. Like he planted the idea in my head that kind of led me where I am today. That's cool. So Felix uh, is back at in Hong Kong again to present the new UR100. Um, so we were sitting at the lavish attic as always to have this chat with him yes the lavish attic being the official distributor of uh, Uwerk and other independent uh, watch brands in Hong Kong so for people who don't know Uwerk it's an independent watch brand that was started by Felix Baumgartner his brother and also designer Martin Fry um, and it was a chance meeting between the three of them who then discovered that they had a shared passion in exploring the measurement and portrayal of time that was unlike any other conventional watch company that was existing at that time. And that was um, the year 1997 that where, where they decided to create this company together. So the name Urwerk comes from the combination of two words, Ur and Verk. Ur being an ancient city in Mesopotamia uh, where the perception of time was first discovered and Verk being the German word for you know, are working, creating, evolving, shaping objects, and even emotions. All right. And then without further ado, uh, let's jump into the, our conversation with uh, Felix Baumgartner, co-founder of Uwerk. So our guest today for this episode is uh, Mr. Uh, Felix Baumgartner, who's the co-founder of uh, Uwerk with uh, Martin Fry. Um, so I'm just going to ask you one question that I've always wanted to ask you is how often do people mistake you for Felix Baumgartner, the Red Bull Stratos skydiver when they first meet you? <laughs> good, good question. So that's uh, Felix Baumgartner. This one comes from Austria. Yeah. Uh, I'm come from uh, Swiss Germany. So that's kind of a difference in dialect. So the people who speak German can immediately hear the difference. Right. But for sure, English speaking, I had several times in the airplane by stewardesses or like they thought that I'm the Felix Baumgartner. <laughs> they were asking right. if I'm the, 
And I said, yeah, sure, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it can go both ways, for sure. So you're not a skydiver, but you're a third-generation watchmaker. Uh, you come from a family of watchmaker. Um, your, your father had a, had a shop that he later sold to uh, create his own restoration workshop. Is that, is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, my, my it started even a generation earlier with my grandfather. He worked at IWC. And at a certain moment, he wanted to become independent to open up his own retail store in Schaffhausen. And uh, this one he was running over 10, 15, 20 years. And then actually my father took over that store of, of my grandfather. And then my father actually was kind of annoyed to, to sell these watches uh, every day. They sold like Omega and IWCs and watches like that. And he's basically more a, a maker than a, a seller. Mm. So he, he gave this store to a friend of him and by himself actually then he already started to restore clocks, very old English clocks on the side. And this is what he loves still today to do. So this is my education, how um, I grew up with my uh, father restoring these clocks. So that was a big influence on you from a young age? Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's my education on, on this technical side, yes. Do you think your, your fa so you said your father basically came home and said he was fed up with modern watchmaking and he wanted to restore clocks. Um, do you think that was the reason why you also wanted to become an ind independent watchmaker and also your own fascination in, in clocks as well? Pro probably, yes. Uh, he already said that he didn't love that pressure of the brands which had this cycle of um, end-of-the-year business, bringing out these models um, which is more uh, related to marketing stories than to watchmaking. This is what he felt with these big brands I was telling before. He, he, he was feeling that it's not really about watchmaking, it's more about storytelling in these brands at the time. And uh, so he, he was really into clocks. Then suddenly this was his hobby. He, he, he loved these clocks. And uh, for sure, uh, for, for a kid at home, when you can discover clocks where you really immediately understand how they work. It's beautiful how to see and to, to live these clocks and with a father which can speak with a lot of passion of each clock with its history and how it's done. And they, they are all pièce uniques, so unique pieces as which a special propose. So that's that passion I, I felt and this little independent workshop he started to run was also really totally a different uh, way of working than to follow the trends of the industry and, and, and having uh, this kind of goals of selling so many, many watches every year. That was not his, his, uh, his goal. And somehow I'm sure to have the courage to start at my own uh, workshop with atelier and uh, in Uwerk. Um I think I took a lot of, of, of that energy I saw at my father's mm -hmm. place. 
do you remember the earliest memories you have of you know your, your dad working or you yourself connecting with uh, with watches or clocks absolutely you know he had uh, like these these liquids where you can take off the oxidation of the old clocks that actually this this liquid picks you in the nose right and i can even feel it still today because it's real like acetone i don't know how you, you call that in english but that's a very aggressive liquid no more actually today you are no more allowed to use that because it, it creates cancer oh, okay but <laughs> he has it all, all the time around and i was right. as a young kid i was all the time working with that okay <laughs> So I don't know what about my my health situation <laughs> in a few years, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's for sure that these kind of memories to clean up these pieces and uh, this uh, balance and pendulums and uh, the also the weights actually mm -hmm. a heavy, yeah. really tough work was the, the 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 weight of of a clock of an English grandfather's clock can be very tough to to clean. So right, and, and then so you went to watchmaking school. Uh, until 1995 when you graduated is it and then quickly after you graduated you launched your own brand so w with martin fry what was the the process in your mind to go from immediately graduating and launching your brand immediately without maybe going through a, a big group or another brand before that so yeah for sure with the father which was always looking for to have his own workshop like an independent workshop Actually, with that education, I was unable to become an employee somewhere. Right. It was just for me not thinkable to be to to work for, you know, for a big brand and to become an employee of a big brand. It's just impossible. So when I first arrived in '95 in Geneva, I worked for Sven Andersen. Actually, 50% on my own. Mm -hmm. So I had my own restoration works and uh, I worked on his clock uh, watches at the time. So two years after, 97 or even in 96, already we started to work on prototypes and work. So it was immediately clear that I have to develop my own, uh, my own view and possibilities and my own workshop. Um, uh, I stayed with Sven Anderson only two years because mm -hmm. I worked at his workshop in the beginning and then I really opened my own workshop. Right. So already two years after my uh, apprenticeship. Mm. So Sven Anderson, he was also quite a big supporter um, of Urwerk when you first started. Was there any advice that he gave you that you really took to heart? Uh, uh, yes, uh, that's true. He plays a role. Um, He's a he's a, a great man, who is really open to anything, and he doesn't see any limit. Everything is possible, mm. and that 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 kind of view I I loved at him because when you are talking to old watchmakers, normally they they do like like it would be like a myth, or you cannot change the existing laws, or they are just. Right just incredible mountains to overcome to create a, a perpetual calendar or whatever so for him just do it mm -hmm. just do it and this is was great to meet someone who just isn't scared to do 
his 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 things, his ideas mm. to create them. And this, for sure, this is something uh, I uh, learned uh, with Sven. Mm. Um, and so, how d how did you and Martin meet and decide to set up a company together? Mm. In ninety seven, ninety ninety six, actually, already we needed someone uh, with our for for our vision of creating a, a watch with this special time indication of the satellite hour mm -hmm. indication. Um, we were not sure about the case uh, about this for actually we have seen this time indication in old clocks my father restores and um, we thought that would be really great to apply that system from clocks into watches but we, we were thinking actually but yeah we, we somehow to have just a normal watch case would not be nice it's nothing new Mm -hmm. So we thought further on concepts to combine actually watchmaking with art and sculpture. Mm -hmm. And this is something which made think us on my cousin. My cousin learned at the time at the art school in Lucerne. And this is where Martin also was study his art school. Mm -hmm. And my cousin actually brought us together with Martin because Martin loves watches. Right. And we were thinking, well, let's let's give during a, a night party actually late by night we started to think and to, to talk about watches mm -hmm. and to to have making some scratches and drafts and this is where the first overwork designs started. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, the different kind of party that <coughs> most people are probably used to. <laughs> Right? Well, was there? No, I'm not going to go into if there's any kind of alcohol involved in the design. Um, and then, so as Martin Fry being the, the, the designer, what is the, the dynamic between the two of you when it comes to creating? So Martin Fry means Martin Free. Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, for sure, I know the rules. I know watchmaking very well. And he comes up with new ideas, new possibilities, and he doesn't always respect the rules. And he, he brings visions and ideas, and he has angles which are different than a, a watchmaker has. Because the watchmaker very well, very quickly starts to ask, but how can I do that? And um, he just, as he is not the person who is actually doing the final watch, he... he, he he has a, a certain freedom on that side. He can just go for his fantasy. Mm -hmm. And this is not always we can apply that for 100%. And it's always it's not always the idea, but it can help us a lot to to create, to, to express watchmaking in a way which was never done before. Mm. Right. And, and the first watch that you guys released was the UR101. Uh, and so at that time, it was a design that was way different than what the watch industry was used to, right? So c can you just tell us how it was for you guys to be in the watch industry at that time with such a crazy kind of design and, and look for a watch? It's for sure, um, for us, we were kind of frustrated because I was a young watchmaker at the time. Um, I still try to be, but I was really super young, you know, 20 years, 22 years ago. Mm -hmm. So to work in an industry which is not 
going on, uh, which is not applying actually contemporary uh, materials, um, contemporary mechanics, ideas, aesthetics. It's just somehow boring. And um, um, for us, that was the only way and vision we, we had. We had to, to do to express our watchmaking is to do that today, with with these possibilities of today. Right. And actually, we just in the very beginning, it was just a project to do like two, three watches for us in private. Mm -hmm. And you are not even thinking to, to create like a, a brand. It was just uh, for us. And uh, then when we f finished the first two prototypes, I showed them to Sven Andersen and he said, but Felix, this is great. Please join the academy and ex expose it there. Mm -hmm. And uh, first I was, I, I was laughing. I said, never, we will do that because it's just a, a personal private project. But then actually thought, okay, let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. And then we went there and uh, finally it made quite some noise because uh, but for sure some people they, they liked it and others don't. Mm -hmm. Philippe Dufour was exhibiting just on the other side of the vitrine and uh, he, he was exhibiting his piece in a nice uh, wooden mahogany polished uh, case uh, right. like very traditional really in respecting all the laws you can respect in that world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually we were just exhibiting on the other side on, on heating plates camping okay. heating <laughs> plates <laughs> right. and we, we explained at the time to the people that we are actually um, cooking the watchmaking of tomorrow no mm. no eh? smart, smart smart way to display <laughs> no, it's li like like an art installation yeah, yeah. that's right yeah and uh, the the design of uh, the the first one the uh, 101 uh, was that from you or was that from uh, martin because obviously it looks like a million in falcon Right. Yes, the, the 101 it was uh, inspired somehow by the Millennium Falcon. Um, so that was clearly Martin who had that uh, idea. And from my side, I was actually, um, my work was to create the movement. Mm -hmm. So I had my manual machines at the time, my Schaublin 102 mm -hmm. and Asiera F5. And with these two machines, we started to, to make all the, the parts we needed to make the, this watch. So from the beginning, you wanted to make every single piece of uh, of the watches that you were going to make in the future. So absolutely. So we, we created everything by manually machines. So we had not the finance actually to go to suppliers to do that in a, let's say, professional way mm -hmm. with computer machines. Or We just had to repeat actually the first year we did probably five pieces, and then seven pieces, and then... Like, like eight pieces so we did small series but everything with manual machines mm. right and still it's still something that you, uh, you you continue to do is it like you manufacture every single piece uh, of your watches so we have we, uh, every single piece is a big word yeah uh, for sure we, we uh, have several parts the rubies the spiral mm -hmm. we, we have our suppliers but we have uh, more and more we are integrating and also the in, in the side of finishing. We have finishing machines uh, which are important and uh, which give the final the final finish to this part. So we go we go quite far for a team of 15 people. Right. Mm. 
Um, I, would, I just had a question. Um, so when you first exhibited your your watch, like you are 101, you said it made a big noise. There were people who loved it. There were people who maybe didn't like it as much. Um, but how did it sell? Like did like did what was it all Sup sold out? Super badly. Super badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really impossible to sell. It's it is. I think the final day we had like a crazy German architect uh, arriving and he bought two pieces mm. for his uh, shop he just opened in New York which was called The Art of Watchmaking mm -hmm. so that was our first contact and uh, for sure a big party so he ordered two pieces and that was big for us mm. uh, but uh, I think that that was that that was was it yeah that's all Okay, okay. So it, it, it was a disaster. <laughs> so so what was sort of the turning point for you guys then? Um, turning point, probably 103. 103. The 103. So 103 came seven years later. Mm -hmm. We presented this seven years later. So that was kind of the market was open also for content, more open, let's say, actually not really open, but actually I they had enough of tourbillons right. in right. any direction, <coughs> in any variation tourbillons. They were looking for new directions and we kind of offered a new possibility with the 103. So they were more accepting at that time of, let's say, more contemporary or different visions from what the watchmaking industry had been used to before. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They started just, actually it was more they, they needed a new direction because the, the the industry start to feel that the, all the tourbillons they slow down so out of that um, and at the same time we developed the 103 which was the probably our first three-dimensional expression of our satellite mm -hmm. our indication mm -hmm. um, that created that kind of 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 uh, of of a hype. Uh, it's a, it's it's we suddenly we start to feel oh, there is something around. There's a, a little fire, yeah. mm. a little fire burning, and uh, it started there. Mm. And, and then quickly after that, after the one or three gets released, you you kind of go on the roll. Uh, I would say very rapidly, where you have, um, you know, the the Opus Five uh, with Harry Winston that gives the brand plenty of exposure. You get the UR two hundred one. You get the UR1001, um, which is the crazy pocket watch. Yes. You get the EMC, and that goes all the way to you know celebrities wearing your watches like uh, Michael Jordan, and then your watch appearing in science, well, I mean, science yeah, fiction Marvel movies, movies. Marvel movies with Iron Man and mm -hmm. also the Avengers, right? Mm -hmm. So at, at what point do you tell yourself, oh, we've made it, like that's it, we've succeeded? I probably never say that. You know, okay. it's it's always it's a journey which is going on, mm -hmm. and uh, we don't know exactly where it brings us. We are just doing what we do in our way, in our in our vision. Um, mm -hmm. We limit ourselves since twelve years to one hundred fifty pieces, mm. and uh, for sure with the EMC, for example, we showed really a no a new um, taboo breaker. Mm -hmm. Um, with the, you know, the satellite, our system expressed in the 103 was the first time that I watched with a non-traditional mechanism or complication costed 
50,000 Swiss francs. Right. It was the first time. It didn't uh, exist before. With Opus 5, it was the first time that a complication like that was able to cost more than 100,000 Swiss mm -hmm. francs. Mm. So th th that opened up uh, a new, that opened up barriers. Mm. With the EMC, we break into a new uh, universe where we bring high-end electronics and high-end mechanics together. And uh, that's another uh, opening. So we don't know exactly where it br brings us, but it's it happened. We, we, we deliver still today these pieces, so it's a start and uh, we can see also an, a few other companies doing electromechanical watches. So, um, yeah, it's we are always curious and looking for 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 um, yeah new inventions. Mm. Yeah, great. Do you uh, do you get compared to MBNF a lot? Mm, not really. Not really. Okay. I think uh, people who know a little bit they see that the two companies are quite different, mm -hmm. and um, it's. You know, it's 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 an Im important company on the side, and uh, somehow we are creating both together that niche. But even if each company stands for I for for its own. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, uh, I saw um, I was watching a video on your YouTube channel on the Uwerk YouTube channel, and I saw that in your workshop you had a large image of Steve McQueen with a UR one hundred three that was photoshopped on his wrist. Do do you mind just telling us what's the story behind that picture? Because I found that very interesting. Yeah, that that was actually like a Photoshop session. Yeah, we 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 were, you know, we never take us too much serious ourselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah. mm -hmm. we just had some fun for the exhibition. I don't know exactly if it was two thousand eight or something like that, where we, we we looked out for a poster which we can hang hang up in our suite where we exhibited our 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 watches at the time. And uh, Martin Fry came up with this idea to to take some some uh, funny or cool superstars, that, but old ones, vintage, right. and to put them on new Uhrwerks. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we, we had several actually. There was also yeah, an okay. old James Bond picture nice. from <laughs> the sixties, right. and another one with, with Captain Spock. Okay. Mm. Uh, so there are actually the three of them, and uh, we offered one uh, of these, I think, to. To Waco and the other one to to Michael Tay and uh, nice. Nice. so th they they're just uh, just for fun you yeah. know yeah 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 and and what is quite funny that today we really have these kind of superstars really wearing our yeah, watches yeah, for, sure, yeah. for, for real yeah yeah that's the, the that's the funny side of the story yeah. you know yeah yeah well I mean it's something that you were maybe predicting for yeah, you, at, you at the time <laughs> we had no idea no idea about yeah. that it could happen but it just happened and. Uh, it's mm. it's not we we didn't do that you know so yeah. it's just happening. Yeah, but now you have to tell people we didn't Photoshop this one. Yeah, on the modern one. You can see a, a gap of, of thirty to forty years there yeah. between the. So that's the funny thing about yeah, it actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so like you mentioned before, the satellite wandering hours is sort of the signature for our work. Um, what else would you consider is a signature for your brand? Well, actually, not to be a brand. 
so more like to be a laboratoire de recherche or let's just continue to be curious and to take risks right and this is why we keep our company uh, maximum to 150 watches per year mm -hmm. that we do not have that commercial pressure mm -hmm. to function right because you, you see a lot of our you mentioned before another competitor he, he has commercial pressure to 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 maintain uh, you know when you have five six shops or galleries you need to pay the the, the rent for, for right. that stuff so yeah. it becomes a, a burden every month mm -hmm. and that influences you automatically in your creative decisions right but you guys don't have the same commercial pressure no because no that's 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 our choice okay okay so you keep productions very small and you're just sort of you do whatever your imagination and, and what takes is very you. untypical for a company as you say a brand mm -hmm. is that our turnover is like since 10 12 years the same mm -hmm. so we are not looking to increase mm -hmm. okay we are looking to 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 go further in watchmaking and what we do okay okay and do do you still try to you know maybe bring um as a new fans or a new customers to the brand or you once you've built a family you try to you know kind of stay within what you've created uh, yes it's it's our consistent line and also since the very beginning we are the same people mm -hmm. working on the watchmaking side and the aesthetical and for us it's like a book with chapters you know every watch is a chapter Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly how thick that book will become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, quite thick. You know, it's it's already done to yeah. a certain degree, but it's it's uh, all comes together. Uh, one and the other. I have often the question: which one is important? More important? Which watch is more the most important? I guess I can't say. Mm. They are all coming together. This is a whole the whole picture. Right. Mm. Is is and in the picture we need each watch. Okay, and, and so and let's jump into the, the new watch, which is your next chapter, uh, which is the UR100 Spacetime yes. that we have in front of us. Do you mind just quickly uh, presenting the watch uh, to us and to the listeners? Yes, so the UR100 Spacetime actually is, is, a, is, is, a, is a watch, you can say, back to the future, mm -hmm. um, because somehow it's our simplicity. So someone else is using this name, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I like it because it tells about the minimalistic approach. So basically, we really have time telling, time telling in the very center, and uh, and it's round. It's a yeah. round watch. It's a round movement, we can say. Mm -hmm. So that's quite untypical for our work that it's shaped round, and uh, on the on the back side you have a rotor with a little planetary turbine which actually shows for the first time like in a normal watch the, f the whole rotor mm -hmm. um, for sure it's not a normal rotor it's our overwork rotor we, we mm -hmm. produce with the planetary turbine and that gives to the whole watch just a feel of very s simple and pure and this is why we call it UR100 it goes really back to the future back to the beginning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of 101 and one or two it was all to bring out a new concept how right. tell time and how to bring new values into watchmaking and i think this 
U100 is continuing this, this, this questioning and, and answers somehow to a certain degree. Right. And, and so the so we have two new complications that we haven't seen before from you. Uh, do you mind just uh, running through them briefly? Um, okay. Uh, as I just, the first one, like the rotor, with its absorbing planetary turbine, mm -hmm. the rotor spins once, the, 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 the turbine is spinning six times. Okay. And that actually absorbs shocks when you accelerate your rotor while, for example, playing tennis. Mm -hmm. So it really helps to absorb these kind of shocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's one. And the other one, it's not really a complication, it's an indication. Mm -hmm. So we call it the space dial, and, and on that space dial actually we have two indications which remind you that we are actually constantly flying in space mm -hmm. while sitting mm -hmm. here. Probably we are now talking since 20 minutes. Since how long are we talking now? It's actually half an hour. It's half an yeah, hour. So okay. <laughs> so we are indicating 20 minutes here. Yeah. 555 kilometers on the on the equator. Mm -hmm. We are rotating on Earth. So so we are speeding through space like hell right. while sitting here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually we are speeding also into another direction, which is uh, traveling around the sun, a revolution mm -hmm. around the sun once. Yeah. In a year, we go all around the sun. Mm -hmm. In 20 minutes, we do 35,742 kilometers around the sun. Okay. So that's quite crazy. That brings us up to 100,000 kilometers per hour. We are speeding while sitting here. So fast your seatbelts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. I guess yeah. it, it, it so it gives perspective on... You, you wanted to maybe focus the perspective on something that we kind of forget uh, in our daily lives, but it's always constantly around us and absolutely. Uh, yeah. part Abs of our lives. Absolutely, and yeah. I think it was never showed and reminded like this uh, on a watch. And uh, basically it comes from a clock my father found mm -hmm. in uh, Luzern in uh, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. This clock has, has uh, 150 years old of, of a clockmaker called Gustav Sondos. Mm -hmm. Gustav Saunders is the third um, clockmaker, marine, royal marine clockmaker of France. Right. The first one is Ferdinand Berthoud, the second Abraham Louis Brugge, the third Gustav Saunders. Mm. So that's a very important clock which will, was made for the Swiss Pavilion on the exhibition, World Exhibition Fair in Chicago. Right. But then it, it went lost at a certain moment and my father found this clock again in the the cave of that antique shop. Okay. Mm. At the dial of this clock is not showing the minute, hour and seconds. It's showing actually the kilometer and the distance of the rotating earth. Right. And mm. uh, that's, it's, it's a very interesting clock. And this clock, my father offered to me. So mm -hmm. now I wanted to, and as I'm quite looking and, and appreciating that feel of space that mm -hmm. clocks give to you, I wanted to repeat that on this watch. Mm. Great. Yeah. That's very cool. So that's that's the UR one hundred space time. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool also to to find a complicate like um a clock that displayed that instead of the usual time, I think. Right. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. The brand, your brand, is uh, slowly approaching, you know, a quarter century of uh, of of existence. Yes. Um as as you get closer, do you 
um, you know, where do you see over uh, the coming years? Where do you see uh, the watch industry? Or how do you reflect maybe on almost that uh, first quarter century? Actually, uh, as I said before, uh, we, we are curious since 22 years, and we will still be curious the next 22 years. Okay. So I think it's 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 what drives us, and uh, this is exactly what we want to do. Mm. Do you find the watch industry now sort of catching up, like being more open to new ideas, being more daring in their designs and? Or, or do you think they're still quite conservative, as they were 22 years ago? No, no. That uh, we have we, we gone a, a, a long way since the, the last 22 years. Nothing you cannot compare today with 22 years ago. Mm -hmm. 22 years ago, you had really the, these rules you have to respect, and if you don't respect, you are not owed a lottery. Right. And today, um, you start to have a team and uh, journalists and people who c who appreciate and who understand what mm -hmm. we do and not and we are a, a little niche today and uh, it's 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 great but in my opinion it's still the start okay it's it's a still the start and the journey will bring us to new galaxies very soon great okay. awesome thank you very so much. much thank you yeah. thank uh, you very much i'm just uh, it would be a shame if we end this conversation without mentioning the few watches that you've made in collaboration with uh, Revolution and uh, King Nerd. I is there something in the process that you remember that you remember specifically that you enjoyed? Oh, you know, I, I have always a good time with Waco when we were talking between uh, King Nerd, Johnny and, uh, and, and Waco uh, and myself and Martin, uh, you know, uh, about ideas we could r release together on these pieces and uh, we just had a great time doing that, and uh, we were really surprised on King Nerd and his quality of, of execution he was able to, to do. So it was absolutely very nice to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast. Thank you to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, yeah, thank you. Very thank you very much. All right, and we are back. So that was our conversation with Felix Boomgartner, co-founder of Uwerk. Now, Steph, is there anything that we should tell our listeners? So by the time you're listening to this podcast, um, our September issue is out on newsstands. So grab a copy if you can. Um, the Hong Kong issue is out. So is the Asia one and the UK one. Now, how about our websites? Are there any stories that we should pay attention to, that our listeners should pay attention to? Yes, so there were quite a lot of new watches that uh, we were privy to that we wrote about and we were super excited about. And all of these watches are now also on the website where you can read about them and hopefully get excited about them as well. Um, for example, there is the Tudor Black Bay Chrono Dark. Yes, so the Tudor Black Bay Chrono Dark came out uh, to celebrate or to mark, I would say, the 2019 uh, rugby World Cup that will take place in Japan and you can have a look at uh, this story on our website yeah um, the Oris watch is also out the Oris Big Crown Pro Pilot X caliber 115 which is sort of their most high tech high tech watch mm -hmm. that they've come out with um, which is quite exciting to see now the other watch that came out recently actually over the weekend and that's related to uh, a sporting event is the new Richard Mille RM5004, 
which is made in partnership with the F1 team Alfa Romeo Racing. Now, the watch bears the name of Kimi Raikkonen, which he, who is the lead driver of the Formula One team. And it's the first time that the watch bears the color of this specific F1 team. So they launched it in Singapore during the Singapore F1 Grand Prix. And it's the watch that will accompany Kimi Raikkonen until the end of the season. So a lot of exciting content on both online and in the magazine. So check back on revolution.watch for more. This has been the Revolution Watch Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you tune in to the next one. Bye. See ya.